hello everyone. Uh, thank you for coming to this breakout session, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, have you all in this conference room. And we'll uh, explain about the details of making OTT services using AWS services. So, um, well, uh, everyone is interested in IoT and machine learning and deep learning. So we have a very small number of people, but still it's okay, yeah. So today's agenda is, uh, I'll briefly uh, introduce the AWS services for media, uh, and then uh, definitely we will hear from the real uh, customer uh, about the real customer story. So how to build uh, the cloud, how, how to use CloudFront for content distribution, or how to utilize Elemental Cloud for distributing more than 65 channels, live channels, and uh, thousands of VOD files. So uh, we have been talking about the AWS capabilities for media industry uh, for uh, several years, past several years. So we will work with our uh, key customers in every uh, workload, the core media workloads. So for example, editing and VFX, and post-production and dam and media supply chain, but uh, we will talk about the OTT service today. So uh, what is the benefit of uh, AWS for the OTT service? Uh, we can uh, say a couple of things for this purpose. So the first thing is absolutely move faster. So now uh, the competition is very severe in the OTT uh, service market. So uh, for example, in Korea, Netflix is already a number three OTT player in Korea. So it has more than 300,000 of uh, subscribers in Korea too. So they're expanding very fast worldwide. So the competition is the first one and the OTT players should move very fast uh, in this area. So two, support those agility, uh, the AWS platform is the perfect place for building the OTT services because we have many uh, good you know, <clears throat> components uh, to be utilized in OTT service build up. So another thing is try every idea. So uh, we have so many uh, good uh, sessions in this reInvent about machine learning and deep learning and artificial intelligence. So we have several AI services like recognition and you know, uh, lacks or something like that, but recognition is uh, heavily used in the OTT service in, uh, in these days. Uh, so uh, we can utilize uh, those uh, cutting edge technologies into the OTT services too. And AWS is very uh, good at integrating those services and uh, it is a very good place for building up those services. And another thing is scalability. So. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, the massive scalability of AWS is a real benefit for the customers for building up the OTT service, you know. So uh, we will talk about uh, shortly about this uh, stuff. And another thing is then, uh, you know, uh, we can get rid of un undifferentiated heavy lifting a lot and invest in content. Content is another keyword for the OTT market and uh, overall uh, media and entertainment market. And uh, I just told that AWS has full set of features for OTT. The first one is file transcoding. We, we have Elastic Transcoder and also Elementor Server in three formats before. So Elementor Cloud, <coughs> and we can uh, provide the appliance devices uh, to on-prem. And another thing is uh, the VMware image. But now, uh, yesterday, we announced five new AWS media services and AWS Media Convert uh, is the perfect cloud version of Elemental Server. So we have now a couple of uh, file transcoders uh, on AWS platform. And for the live transcoding, we have Elemental Live on the cloud and on-prem. And also we added uh, uh, AWS Elemental Media Live yesterday. So it can be easily used in AWS console and definitely billing is consolidated uh, to AWS. It, it's a real benefit for the customer. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely we have Route 53 uh, for content distribution especially. Uh, we have uh, Route 53 has many features, for example, uh, geo uh, routing or something like that. 
And, and also we have uh, AWS uh, media package uh, for uh, making the origin for the media service and uh, integrating DRM services. And definitely we have CloudFront. Uh, now the number of edges are increasing very fast. Now we have more than 100 edge locations worldwide, including the regional edge caches. So the regional edge caches, uh, you know, uh, Last, last year, we announced regional edge cache in reInvent, and now uh, that's the good solution for uh, the latency of long tail content, especially for VOD distribution. So yeah, definitely we have CDN services. And another thing is security features of CloudFront and other AWS services. So we can utilize AWS Shield for protecting the DDoS attack, and we can utilize web application firewall AWS WAF uh, for protecting uh, the OTT service. And definitely we have computing resources, various types of computing resources. We have EC2 and we, we have, uh, it, it is very natural to run the container services like Docker uh, on AWS. And uh, we have uh, Lambda at Edge too. And storage services. S3 is the core of the media services now, nowadays and so many serverless components. Step function is very good for making a, uh, you know, the uh, workflows, media workflows on AWS and DynamoDB, SQS, yeah. And from the last year, uh, AWS, uh, especially AWS Solutions Architect team is uh, continuously publishing uh, the best practices architecture through AWS Answers homepage, right? So you can uh, check uh, this well-architected live streaming on AWS uh, from that website. Actually, that is the part of AWS Answers. And you can easily start with a cloud formation template. So uh, in this diagram, this is a very common pattern of making the live streaming services on AWS. So we are using Elemental Live Encoder on Elemental Cloud. Actually, it is running a different VPC from your VPC. But anyway, it is running on, the, on top of the AWS. So the content is, is ingested to Elemental Live Encoder. Then Delta can do some more, more stuff like DRM processing or something like that. And uh, if we think about the scalability, uh, we, ha we can add uh, some proxy layer. Uh, in this diagram, we are using Nginx proxy. That is very uh, useful, uh, especially for making multi-CDN uh, environment because uh, it can uh, give you the scalability factor for the media services, uh, live services. And uh, we have uh, another reference architectures for handling the VOD uh, workflows. This workflows is quite new and we used uh, step functions to make the uh, workflows actually. So step functions is a combination of a uh, couple of uh, lambda functions. So it is handling the ingest and validate the ingested content and extract the metadata and store those metadata into the DynamoDB table. So it is very automated. So if you just unload the content to the S3 bucket, then every processing is done uh, without your intervention and the deliverable content will be stored uh, S3 again. And then uh, you can utilize CloudFront and easily, it, it is easily integrated to your CMS environment. Uh, we can utilize SNS or other uh, AWS services to do that. <clears throat> Now this, is, this would be the strategy to uh, building up uh, OTT services on AWS. So uh, you can quickly start from AWS Cloud Formation Template through AWS Answers homepage. We are providing the manuals too. And this is very interesting. So innovation through AI services is very easy on AWS. So the, uh, actually we published another Cloud Formation Template uh, utilizing a, uh, AWS uh, Amazon Recognition. So uh, we are extracting uh, the thumbnails from the video, and then we are running the recognition uh, on, against those uh, thumbnails. Then we can extract many information like uh, face recognition and you know, the sentimental analysis for the uh, people uh, in the 
photo, so we can utilize those information as a, uh, another uh, metadata for the video content. And definitely, we have many CI/CD components uh, in AWS, a AWS Code Pipeline and Code Build, uh, so many stuffs. So you can easily uh, accelerate your development cycles, and yes, easily build global services using AWS Edge services. Definitely true, and S3 is. Uh, really uh, important service for media and entertainment customers. S3 is, uh, you know, the real uh, data repository uh, for media services. And another thing is we have uh, more and more customers that really want the personalized content consumption, right? Netflix is always uh, giving the recommendations for each subscribers. That is very important. So uh, we can utilize S3 as the store storage for those uh, information, and uh, there are so many computing engines uh, using those data. Okay, uh, now uh, it's time to introduce uh, Curious number one OTT player. Uh, so the PUC is actually the number one commercial OTT player in Korea. And uh, I'll, uh, let me introduce the CTO of Content Alliance platform, Felix Cho. Hello. Thank you, Gyuan. Okay, uh, before start, uh, apologize if my English is broken because I'm not, the uh, English is my, not my mother tongue, so maybe my expression is a lot, but please bear in mind. Uh, I'm responsible for handling the technical side of the PUP, uh, the Korean OTT service, and I will be uh, presenting the, you know, how our platform get uh, evolved uh, with the cloud, especially with the AWS. So let me start with the, the, what PUG is. Uh, PUG is an OTT provider. I think the, everybody knows the uh, terms of OTT. Uh, you can think of a smaller version of uh, Netflix. That is what I'm thinking myself. Uh, this is actually a joint venture between three, all three terrestrial broadcasters in Korea, which is very unusual. Uh, normally, they are actually fighting uh, for the ratings of the, the program. But the now, uh, because the, uh, it's a more like a uh, end of era for the uh, terrestrial broadcasters. So they decided to make her some kind of a, uh, internet service arm so that they can uh, find a new market on the internet. So that's the, what uh, my company uh, started. Uh, founded at uh, 2012, May, which is not that long. Uh, and uh, we are serving as of October. Uh, we have a 64 live broadcasting, which is uh, a little bit unusual for the OTT. Usually OTT is more over the VOD service, but we are providing live service as well, uh, which means we are like a um, 20 second delay from the real broadcasters. Uh, over uh, 160,000 VOD streaming uh, contents are there. Uh, all, most of them comes from these three companies, but uh, not everyone. Uh, we have other uh, CPs contents as well. And we have uh, 6,000 movies, including the, some latest Hollywood movies, because you know the Koreans, uh, they like to watch the movies over the internet as well. And uh, because of the, uh, the kind of high demands, actually Hollywood uh, movie companies are providing us uh, new uh, latest uh, movies over internet streaming, uh, of course, uh, you know, protected by DRM. Uh, we have a, this, this number is a little bit old, but in, uh, as time of writing, we have uh, 620,000 paid subscribers. That's a very small number compared to the Netflix, I know, but uh, you have to understand that the, our population is just uh, uh, 60 million people. So that's not comparison. And the uh, average price of the uh, USD uh, is $9 per customer, so that's our revenue, you can calculate that. And uh, uh, we have about, um, 3 million registered users without uh, paid subscription. Uh, we also provide some kind of ad-based streaming. So these guys are actually not paying money, but watching the advertisement uh, during our service. And uh, as he introduced us, uh, we are number one player on Korean OTT market, uh, largely because we are the content provider. So it's a, a very unique situation. You can think of uh, in terms of the Hulu, uh, in terms of the uh, uh, the relationship between the content provider and the service provider because we are wholly own subsidiary of these broadcasters. So guess you know, who are, who's the, their favorite uh, streaming service provider, right? 
let me briefly introduce to what kind of UI we have. Uh, I'm going to have a, a couple of slides here. Uh, I'm not going to tell everything in detail, but uh, just to give you the idea of what we are doing. Uh, this is uh, actually a PC screen. Uh, that long, hideous kind of a, you know, left side image is actually full screen captures. And uh, that is comp uh, composed of a lot of elements. So let me just quickly uh, cover that. Uh, on top of that, uh, that is a BOD, my watch list, which means that we are compiled this kind of list for just, just you. And this is what uh, you've been watching uh, for you know, last day, few days or something. And second is my channel list, which is uh, similar to the VOD, but this is actually live channel. So if you watch some channel, uh, your channel will appear in here so that you can find it, your channel very easily. And last one is a popular list, which is compiled from the statistic data of the how many people are watching what, and we are providing that. Second is a curated list of the uh, movie list. You may think this is an automatic AI kind of thing, but that's not this is. Actually, this is good old hand-picking service list. Uh, that's because they, you know, uh, some of my colleagues inside, inside my company prefer to having a uh, hand-picked content so that they can place their marketing uh, pushing contents at the first time. So I'm not a big fan of this kind of approach, but that, that these kind of things happen. And the popular channel list is the same thing uh, as the VOD list. And there's a, the uh, curated special token, related list, shop, home shopping kind of thing. A lot of contents here. So you can just uh, understand, the, uh, look at just appear and what, what kind of things we have. And please understand that the, all this data have to come from the server to the client at the, at the same time. So you may uh, you know, think about, wow, how many API calls should we have? At least we have, uh, actually we have uh, like a 28 API calls for the, uh, creating the uh, first pages. Uh, this was happening, uh, causing a lot of problems for us. Now we are actually uh, getting pretty decent response rate and I will be explain later. Uh, so that at the end of time, actually there's a, the uh, uh, black bars in, on the top, uh, bottom of that. That is actually uh, what we call the continue watching. Uh, which means actually if you watch some contents on your mobile phone and if you just uh, the, uh, turn off the mobile phone and uh, the uh, uh, power up the PC, uh, your PC will tell you that would you continue watching your contents which you were already watching from the other devices. So this is a true end screen uh, continuous watching solution service so that uh, you know, uh, whenever you, you know, switching your uh, devices or even uh, turning off your mobile phone and the con uh, turn on, uh, you can go back where you, uh, start, uh, you have been watching. This is actually a picture of the uh, Netflix regime using for a while. And uh, this is uh, actually our first, I mean, Korean-owned, uh, the first technology availability for the, that kind of solution, uh, what we are providing at the night. Okay, for the uh, viewers, you can say this is pretty much you know, standard uh, viewers, right? And uh, there is actually uh, scene detection, uh, I mean, scene uh, thumbnail uh, browsing, and uh, that uh, 10 second uh, back and forth, and a lot of things are uh, pretty common. But uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's a the, uh, one more difference, is, uh, the one more different service were there, but I will tell you later. And we have on uh, multiple devices. We have a PC web, mobile web, Android, and uh, so forth. Uh, funny thing is actually you can see that there's a Samsung Smart uh, TV app and LG Smart TV app. Uh, those are not Android apps. Actually, uh, for the, the Samsung, uh, that app is actually on top of the Tizen operating system. And for the LG, that is on top of the WebOS. So we had to build all of those because you know, our customers demand this kind of a, you know, all kinds of different things. But you may not find the uh, Apple TV on here because Korea, uh, Apple does not sell the Apple TV on Korean market. So uh, some of our colleagues are dying to have an Apple TV uh, love and learning, and they even made their own prototype by themselves, but uh, we are not selling because there's no device here. Uh, a little bit of shame. Okay, uh, I will tell you about the platform evolution history uh, because uh, I was thinking that what better way to say that the, uh, why we are getting a uh, lot of help and the, why we are getting uh, very comfortable about uh, the uh, this current situation is because, you know, maybe we start have to start from this earlier time at the, uh, our system, our platform was not based on the cloud. Uh, believe it or not, that was happening. And uh, we had a lot of problem with that. And uh, let me give you the, a little bit of story about the, what our platform has happened. 
initially, May 2012, there was a 1.0, and uh, if you just uh, check the graphic, uh, graphics of the uh, presentation, you can uh, uh, probably laugh by yourself because this is more like a pretty, pretty much a standard three-tier web service, uh, which I don't think you guys ever using anymore because that's pre-cloud, pre-everything. But that was happening in the PUC 1.0 because that was the technology approach at the time, which was not part of myself because I was not there and this was before my time. The funny thing happening is actually, if you look at the slide, there's an ASP.NET web server and mobile API server as a Java which is old, why, why you choose two different technology? And uh, you are talking about just hand probe engineers in here. Uh, that's because initially, uh, two broadcasters send their engineers inside our joint venture. And one guy's preferred the .NET, one guy's preferred the Java. They could not agree on anyone, so that they decided to make their own. Uh, I see the smart faces. And, uh, you can, you can imagine the pain that I was having. Uh, so that problem is, uh, because of the, these kind of two companies came together, uh, from the starting of the company, we have to expose ourselves to the polygraph situation. situation. I'm sorry. So initially, this service initially proposed very well, which means uh, the uh, uh, paid user was less than 10,000 people uh, 20,000 20, people. At the time, at the, that kind of a scale level, it works well. So people were happy about it, and uh, marketing guys are demanding a lot of marketing service on top of that, and a lot of uh, new service on top of that. Uh, but it gets started exposing the problem uh, when our company became the bigger um, in terms of the service uh, customers. Uh, we have a famous, uh, very uh, uh, famous, the uh, entertainment show in the Saturday, uh, the problem became that whenever that entertainment show became live, remember, we are serving live here, right? Everybody's uh, customers jump into the, our system uh, within like a one or two minute period. That caused our problem. Usually it goes after, you know, crashing the server and, uh, you know, saturated the database resources and everything. So we had to change and reboot the system and do the thing and here and that, but nothing can make sure that kind of a death of the service are preventable. So database resource gets saturated. Local cache is, has a, is a limitation, which means it's not that good. And surprisingly enough, again, I'm emphasizing myself that this was my pre of my time. Uh, they were not using any source control system. Uh, I cannot imagine why, but they didn't. So what they done is actually, they actually changed the source code on top of the servers, learning servers, and uh, hopefully it syncs everywhere. And uh, everything was real, which means that uh, there's no staging system, there's no uh, testing system. They, what the uh, developers done is actually developing their own software on top of their uh, PC and uh, just load out. And uh, as I already told you, there's an ASP.NET and the Java server problem, which means a uh, uh, different group of developers are uh, working on different system, which means uh, sometimes Java and the, uh, .NET will dip, uh, act differently on the same functionality. So that causes a lot of you know, headaches and things like that. Scaling problem has a prob you know, huge problem in here, and at this time, we were using real servers. I mean, I think it, it was actually 16 servers on the, uh, some kind of a data centers, and uh, they were actually operated by uh, some uh, you know, operating companies that uh, work for us. And that means that we, uh, we have a scalability issue, heavy scalability issues, which means that we are just bound to the 16 servers, and we are trying to uh, do our best to make a maximum utilization of that which means that we have no luxury to look into the personalization and everything. So it was very, almost like a prehistoric system. Uh, the PUC 2.0 is actually my uh, in, uh, engagement to the, this company. And this was done by, uh, after the June 2015. 
Uh, this project was started in November 2014, so not that much time has the, uh, gone into the, preparing the, this platform. But anyway, this goal was, A, it should be cloud, and it should be die-hard platform, which means we had uh, suffering too many system breakdown, so dying-hard was the primary goal. And uh, we, weren't, we are badly wanted to have a present, uh, personalization and API unification. So API unification is a very old item of risk, but uh, you know, having a Java and a .NET, that is actually one of the goals. So what I designed was actually, as you can see, uh, we, have, we still have an MS SQL database, but we are not using MS SQL database as a running data source. Uh, we are using MongoDB, and we are using uh, Catter ETR data transfer solution, which is open source, initially uh, from the Pentaho, now, I think it's a part of the uh, Hitachi. We are using a uh, uh, lot of ETR script to uh, uh, extracting the data from the MSSQL to the MongoDB. So whenever the, the actual server's running, we are using MongoDB. And uh, as you can tell, uh, MSSQL has maximum of two servers per uh, one instance, but the MongoDB can go up to as high as what they claim is a 50 or 60, but uh, we are using actually six, uh, 13 servers per the one single data uh, sources, which can achieve the more higher, more, uh, more uh, resource to the, the uh, simultaneous users. And we also using the Cassandra database to collecting the user behavior data. Uh, I think uh, I will be explaining later, but the user behavior data collector means that uh, whenever the, our customers are streaming something, a live or the VOD, uh, we are uh, collecting their statistic data, like uh, who they are and uh, what kind of VODs, what kind of contents they are uh, seeing, and uh, what, where in the in in sense of time they are watching. So that we are collecting whole data in the Cassandra DB, and uh, we are uh, using Spark analysis for the more uh, you know, recommendation uh, calculations and uh, things like that. And we have a Mongo uh, database about the data mat. But still, uh, in this case, the CDN and streaming headwind and the media ingestion was outsourced. I mean, uh, at the time, we didn't have any resource to make it in-house, so it was actually outsourced to the, some kind of uh, some local uh, CDN provider, which is not cloud, but uh, that was the time when we have uh, you know, we don't, we didn't have uh, AWS Korea uh, region at the time, so we had to rely on that. And uh, all the uh, API unification we achieved with uh, Swagger. So now we are using the heavily on the YAML and the Swagger kind of uh, the approach to the uh, API specification, and we are using uh, their uh, automated source code generation. We have uh, wrote, written our own custom uh, source code generators, so that every now is everybody, if you want to uh, you know, implement some API, you have to write a Yammer, and we, our uh, uh, tool chain makes, you, makes your the first template code with a mock data as well. So that right now, uh, we have a very uh, shortened in time to create some API to the real world service. Uh, let me give you a little bit of detail of PUC 2.0. Uh, this was a first attempt from IDC to cloud. So this is a cloud system for that. Uh, so uh, 2014 uh, and earlier 2015, we moved to the cloud. It was not AWS because at the time, there was no AWS Korean region was there. The closest region was Tokyo. But problem is, uh, if you read Rex Ryan, uh, there's a Korean privacy law, very strange law, but anyway, uh, if you move your personal customers' personal information over cross-border, you have to get approval from the, each of the individual customers. That's a very old law, but it is still the law. So we are, we are no, not able to use the Tokyo region uh, because we already have a lot of you know, customer data. So I had to stick with the local. So we use the local uh, cloud for the 2.0. Uh, it scares well. Uh, we tested over half a million, but the actual workload uh, on, uh, to at the moment, uh, uh, up until now, is actually high score was uh, 280,000 users simultaneous, and uh, I can tell you a little bit more about it later. It has finally what you know marketing guys want: the personalization, user analysis, recommendation, and cross by streaming region. So it became looks like OTT platform, not 
you know, not 100% perfect, you know, well-made, but at least it's working. And we have API unification based on the YAML and the auto source generation, which means uh, we are creating the specification uh, from the language in neutral way based on YAML, so that the, you know, that source, uh, the source code uh, translation tool will be creating the Java and .NET, so there will be no discrepancies on top of that. Okay, API unification is done between the, with the Swagger base, and we have a GitHub, and we are using the Jenkins CI, so you know everything getting automatically, and there is a mock data versus real data, which is very useful for you know, creating the API-based system. So every time you create something, uh, there is always the uh, mock data so that the client can start right away without server's uh, finalization. Uh, also, we have experienced the migration from RDBMS to NoSQL, which means uh, you know we had we were actually bounded to the uh, how far per one uh, MS SQL DB was. Now we are bounded to the multiple MongoDB, which is quite scalable to my understanding, and that's much better data resource uh, resource bandwidth, so that we can do more and we can provide more data uh, without losing uh, too many uh, time problems. Uh, we are very happy with the ETL tooling. Uh, if you, you guys do not know that they are Catter, I think I recommend you to look at it because you know, Catter solves a lot of our problems uh, without you know, uh, too much hassle on creating the source code itself. So basically, that's a lifesaver if you want to uh, transfer some data to a, from A to G. Or uh, in our case, we are using uh, Catter uh, data batch scheduler for every 10 minutes so that uh, you know, we are keeping, uh, keeping the sync from the MSSQL and the Mongo data. User behavior data collector is what I told you before. The proprietary implementation of the uh, collecting the user data uh, is every, uh, for every 10 seconds, which means actually your uh, streaming resume will be last uh, some kind of a checkpoint of the, within the 10 seconds so that you can resume your pure. Uh, this is not a word-first word kind of thing, but this is a workable scenario. And thanks to the data Cassandra, we have a, a scalability for doing that. Uh, we, the uh, the ter seven terabytes is typo. Uh, I don't hope, you know, I certainly do not want to give you the wrong impression. Uh, what we have is actually 120, 12, 120 gigabytes per day of data collecting to our uh, Cassandra, and we are backing up to the S3. So that Cassandra has like a 60-day data retention, and after that, every data is stored in the S3 for up uh, two years. Uh, that's our uh, primary data for the next one, the user analysis. Uh, we are su support supporting the recommendation based on the user uh, Apache Spark ML library, uh, which was available at the time, because you know, that was a 2015. Uh, TensorFlow or MXNet is very less known to the others. And uh, uh, service, service analysis is actually what we, what we have done so far is bec uh, because we have a lot, you know, lot of uh, user behavior data, uh, we are creating uh, various kinds of reports, with, uh, whether you know, uh, marketing guys or the business decision guys want, like uh, you know, what kind of contents are famous for uh, some specific time, is the you know, uh, mayor between 30 to 40, have uh, which kind of contents in their uh, personal best, and what kind of things the uh, kids want, and uh, what kind of uh, the uh, contents provider are performing best. So that kind of whole data is generated based on that uh, user behavior data, and uh, we are using primary on the Apache Spark for that. Uh, this is actual uh, MRTG graph uh, I uh, you know, captured from the actual happening. This was actually uh, I'm not sure you guys are familiar with that, but that is a world-based uh, baseball classic kind of a uh, world premier uh, baseball games between countries. And that was a semifinal, and that was between Korea and Japan. Uh, that spike at the, at the end of the graph is actually uh, end of the eighth inning. 
Uh, that was when we were losing. I mean, Korean was losing, but uh, some guy hit a rather, you know, you know, very good home run, and we actually overturned the uh, result. And as you can see, people coming pouring in very fast because of the, they just, you know. Uh, uh, seen from the SNS kind of message, and they come into our service. And at the time, uh, we were serving uh, 551 gigabytes of the CDN data flow uh, simultaneously, and uh, that was actually 280k users. So this was actually our highest uh, users in terms of the real uh, real uh, situation. Uh, for this year, February, uh, February uh, we migrated to our service to AWS. Uh, two reasons, because there was AWS Korea, uh, so we were pre preparing uh, to migrate to go those uh, platforms to AWS. Uh, other reason is that the, uh, we have, you know, uh, the local guys could not support uh, some functionality that we want. For example, uh, we were actually thinking about uh, moving, in, uh, migrating into the Docker. The problem was the local guys were uh, local guys providing Linux was a little bit old, so they couldn't provide the Docker functionality. So that was actually primary reason. And other reason is actually, uh, you know, AWS a much better uh, scalability and the API service and CRI and a lot of things, and also. Uh, our developers dying to using dying to one of using the AWS rather than local one. So we decided to move it. Uh, took a month for migration, and uh, most of the time-consuming task was how you know the data migration, which means actually we have a lot of data over the user behavior data, so that the, we uh, start to migrate that data, and that took a month. But uh, having you know uh, our servers installed in the AWS. I think that just took two weeks because it was it was very easy one. I think. Okay, uh, let me go to the just with the sideway, and now I'm talking about the head head ends of platform with AWS. So what we refer to head ends is actually up until now, up until my presentation, uh, we were outsourcing our CDN and the media streaming, even though we were at OTT. So uh, by Starting of the November 2016, we start operating by our own head-end system, uh, which is hosted in AWS. And this is actually, uh, we decided AWS because uh, there's a business and functionality requirements to have our own head-end, and that uh, AWS can support this kind of system. Uh, we we needed to prepare the UHD 4K readiness because Koreans already started broadcasting the UHD. And uh, we are supporting protocol of HS and Epic Dash, and uh, we also comport, uh, supporting the, the uh, AVC and HEVC. Uh, HEVC is being testing for uh, being tested for the UHD contents, and uh, uh, HD sorry 264 is a primary using for the VOD. We also supporting the multi uh, DRM. This is due to, due to the fact that the uh, Apple device can only supporting the Fairplay, and uh, you know Android is supporting the mobile uh, widebind kind of situation. So we have to end up uh, supporting the, these four uh, DRMs all together, and uh, we are supporting the VR uh, streaming. So this is a specification of the VR uh, using at the moment. So uh, we start vision uh, the 360p to all the way to the 10, 1080p, and we are using the H.264 primary and HBC for uh, experimental or uh, less uh, less bandwidth consuming kind of situation. Uh, you know, naturally we are supporting the 25.97 frames per second. Uh, this is actually uh, we are talking about excluding the UHS. UHD, so this is the situation. We have a two-second chunk, and uh, we have a 60 frame uh, GOP closed. So this is our live streaming. Unlike, uh, unusual to the OTT, uh, we are supporting the live system, and uh, let's just uh, you know, tell you the situation from uh, light to the web. Uh, there's an external live feed of RTMP. On, uh, this is uh, feeding, uh, feeded from our uh, alliance the content provider, including KBS, Ambition, SBS, which is our uh, parents' company. Uh, 
uh, there is a, we are using AWS Elemental Live to ingest those uh, streamings, and we are uh, producing the live S3 bucket. Uh, we decided to have a S3 in, uh, between the, our ingestion and the, to the service because we can tweak that and using uh, as a different service rather than a live system. So we are st storing every uh, incoming data uh, to the S3 bucket as a uh, two-second two second TS chunk. Uh, there's a protocol mixers and the generator and so far, and now client can have a live streaming uh, uh, via, uh, via cloud front. So what happened is uh, RTMP source, live encoder, S3, and cloud front. That's our system for the live service. And uh, we have a 64 live service here. And uh, I believe this is uh, our uh, first uh, customer case in Korea to utilize the live uh, elementary encoders. Uh, initially, what we, uh, when we start this uh, project, uh, some of the local CDN providers actually uh, come, come, uh, came forward to me and presenting the concerning that you might, get a bad, uh, you might get a bad result with the uh, Elementor because nobody's done that. And uh, maybe Amazon is not ready for that. Or so for, you know, lot, I heard a lot of things. But uh, during our testing and evaluating, looks like the, uh, this is the right choice for that. So that we go for that. Uh, under the hood, there's a live encoders and things like that, uh, we are, which I already uh, explained that. And the protocol Muxer is actually muxing the HRS data and dash everything in together and creating the M, uh, M3U, M3U4, U8 kind of the uh, uh, manifestor data so that this one can be uh, creating the rival MP3, M3U8 data. Uh, unlike the BOD, uh, this list will have to, you know, uh, constantly updating because of live situation so that we have this kind of system. We also have a radio channel. Uh, the funny thing is actually at the time, as of implementation time, the Elemental Live does not have an audio-only channel. They have now, but at the time, they don't. So we had to using the, some larger servers to you know, provide this kind of functionality, and now in the process of migrating uh, from Wowja to the Elemental Live, as we speak. Uh, we do have live thumbnail which means uh, we are actually uh, generating the thumbnail for every content so that we can uh, display the con uh, thumbnail on our service and so forth. Uh, we also have a very unique service like uh, called the live on-air uh, VOD. Uh, this is something that uh, when the live is starting, after five minutes, we are actually providing that contents in the form of VOD. So the, in the customer's eye, it looks like a VOD, but that's still in the live system. Uh, this is uh, uh, actually, uh, we designed this because sometimes people want to, you know, do not want to miss the uh, starting of the streaming, but they were not able to meet the time of the starting time. Uh, in that case, usually the solution was having the customer uh, to ability of doing so-called the time machine so that the customer had to, you know, slide the, uh, uh, slide back a little bit, trying to find where is the first starting. But uh, this is something we've done for, that, for the customer. So customer can just click the, the uh, contents and they can watch it as if they are watching the VOD, but which is still uh, live. The uh, trick here is actually number three. Uh, number two and number three in the client side. So this client is keep asking how far can I stream to the server in, uh, in the, in the 10, 10 second interval? So the server say, yes, you can stream up here and you can stream up here and so forth. So that uh, whenever the client, you know, users trying to, you know, scroll the, the uh, slide bars of the streaming, like as you do the, in the VOD, you can only able to stream to the certain point, which is a live situation. So that is a little bit of a, you know, restriction, but other than that, uh, we found that the customers very uh, liked the fond of the idea of the having a VOD, even though this is a, actually a live system. Okay, uh, I think we already uh, found the told the VOD system. So the this VOD system is actually uh, serving the uh, VOD and movie. Uh, difference is actually movie has a DRM control. Uh, our v, uh, television VOD does not, and we also have watermarking uh, embedders. So let me tell you a little bit. 
Uh, VOD ingest is just a pretty forward, HTTP pull over TV VOD, and the FTP push for the movie, so it's pretty much basic shit stuff. Uh, ingest worker is actually uh, our own uh, implementation of FFmpeg-based uh, system, and we are using heavily on the spot instance of the Amazon. So what is happening is actually whenever the uh, you know, content is getting ingested, uh, our actually ingested worker can be working as a, uh, you know, working, working, working as the uh, cost-effective uh, spot instance kind of uh, situation. And uh, we are using, uh, using uh, the uh, multiple workers per the single contents, and we are co uh, combining them all together back. So uh, this is actually our attempt to make a cost-saving or the cost-effective uh, data importers here. And uh, VOD S3 bucket means that uh, we are storing everything uh, after ingestion, uh, storing everything into the S3 bucket in, in the shape of the uh, two-second TS video. Uh, we did, we uh, done, uh, decided this one because uh, if you recall, what we have is actually Elementor encoders and MPEG encoders and the S3 and the CloudFront. So uh, if you want to use the CloudFront as efficient as possible, is it better you have a, the data source as S3? So all our data is stored inside of S3 as a form of a two-second TS chunk, uh, so that uh, after that, streaming is only, uh, actually just HTTP data downloading, and nothing fancier here. Build uh, <laughs> watermark embedder, we, what we have is a uh, watermark embedder is because uh, some Hollywood companies uh, demand that uh, when you stream the movie, uh, you better have uh, some kind of user information embedded here so that we have to uh, make uh, some kind of a one and zero bit uh, invisible to the, the uh, users, but embedded here so that the, uh, after, if there's any kind of leak, uh, people can find out. So we are providing this one, and now we are in the finalizing uh, the, uh, with uh, the testing with uh, some Hollywood uh, companies, uh, whether they are okay with uh, this service or not. Uh, we do have a signed URL generator. Normally, the CloudFront using the sound cookie, but we found out that some of the device is not able to uh, using the sound uh, signed cookie, so we have to sign the, the uh, supporting signed URL generator as well. Okay, now is the uh, behind a little bit of behind the story. Uh, we were we were the first Korean customer case for the Elementor Live, and the first time using the CloudFront for us. So you can imagine a lot of hiccups and a lot of problems. So let me briefly cover some of the problems I had. First one is a mobile network throttling. As you know, that the mobile company is trying to throw through your data output, streaming output, uh, when you reach certain amount of data transfer per day, right? So all cost, Korean cost, the mobile operators are doing that, uh, but one certain company were doing very badly, or very strangely, I should say. Uh, the left side of slide is what you are getting normally, having the you know, network bandwidth uh, control. So meaning that every time your throughput is contained within the bandwidth limit, that's what happened. But in the left side, that's the, some other strange uh, way to control it, meaning that uh, if you uh, send the TS contents in, the, in time series, uh, sometimes your TS will get higher bandwidth rates than uh, what they are claiming, but sometimes it gets very low, almost no throttling, no bandwidth. So the, it makes a huge problem for our customers because a lot of bufferings and everything. So funny thing is we solved the problem after we switched to the HTTPS. So it looks like uh, their system was not sophisticated enough to understand the HTTPS streaming. So now we don't have a problem for that. And also, we, uh, after implementing the BBR, uh, these kind of things goes away. Some other thing is actually, uh, we got a call from the, some uh, government office guys who were our co uh, customers. They said, the, uh, after switching our uh, content, the, uh, CDN to the, the uh, uh, cloud front, they could not watch the, the uh, uh, BOD. Uh, turns out that after switching to the cloud front, we were actually uh, con uh, controlling the uh, which which client IP we can uh, they can stream uh, to the pool IP address ranges, and turns out their government office had a very uh, interesting uh, security measures. So whenever these guys are going to the internet, uh, they are actually sharing. Uh, uh, 
some kind of a the C-class IP block altogether, meaning uh, your first core will be just ended by the, the uh, one, or the second thing is going to end by two or something altogether. So our IP control uh, scheme was not able to handle that kind of situation. So because of doing that, we had to change it to the uh, restriction to the C-class at the moment. So now, actually, uh, we are not fully controlling IP, but we're controlling the C-class. Uh, Streaming incompatibility is a very uh, interesting thing. Uh, as you can imagine, there are a lot of you know, C con con uh, content providers in Korea uh, feeding the data to our server, and we were uh, receiving the, those data from uh, with the elemental encoders. Uh, I don't think it's a problem, uh, you know, issue from the elemental, but some of the data they're providing has a problem in the MPEG uh, streaming not compatible to the standard or the uh, very uh, bizarre, uh, bizarre movement for when it comes to the goes down, a disconnection and a lot of things, caused a lot of problem for us initially. And uh, thanks to the uh, Elementor, uh, they had to patch rather, uh, I think it's five or six times, and now it's everything is in, under control. But initially that was a pain, you know, quite a pain. And this one is also interesting. Uh, Although our client is live inside Korea, although our service is the ICN region, which is AWS local, uh, we get uh, funny things when the clients, uh, you know, from the certain uh, telcos are trying to stream. Their stream comes from the LX, NRT, and HHG. I mean the US and the Japan and Hong Kong. Uh, this was very interesting, and we were trying to figure out why these things happen. Turns out that uh, some of the, our the local telco had a problem with uh, setting the DNS or the routing situation, uh, which our company or Amazon cannot control. So Amazon has to you know, change or tweak the, their DNS strategy and the, our server as well. And uh, you know, not 100% solved, but now it's uh, getting better and better. And after these guys, you know, I mean, the effort the Amazon has the direct appearing to those companies, uh, these problems goes away. So that was other very funny thing happened. So uh, the cloud front pros and cons. Uh, I think the pros is well documented. It's important for us who is not uh, speaking in murder, uh, English as a murder tongue because normally Korean engineers are okay with uh, the, uh, reading the English uh, uh, documentation, but not uh, you know, happy with uh, to, if you have to communicate with in English. So that is a good thing. And uh, in, in the local engineers had, uh, gave us a decent uh, good supporting in general. And uh, first of all, it, it was a stable and mature, which means uh, if anything is not working, uh, we can start suspecting our code first. That was good because uh, previous uh, cloud and previous CDN, that was not the case. Usually they were done something wrong. So that was good. But the cons is actually absence of local support engineer was a problem. I mean, uh, in Korea and US, there's a time difference. So the problem is when we have a problem in the daylight, you, the uh, American engineers are going home and sleep. So we had to wait a couple of hours to get the answer, and that was a problem. So now uh, I, I know I think that the uh, Amazon Korea already hired some engineers to end the tra uh, having the uh, you know, training for that. So I think yeah, I hopefully that that can be better. Uh, final thing is actually worst for me is actually lack of uh, you know, notice or announcement of their software patch. Uh, Elementor. And Amazon is keep, uh, keeping their service upgraded, and they, you know they are uh, patching every time. But sometimes with a certain patch, we get a problem. But we do not, since we do not know when that is happened, uh, we had actually two major problems. Uh, you know, later found out that that's happened because you know Amazon guys are patching something which is not compatible to us. So I was very curious about this one. I had a lot of you know, conference calls and the things like that, and asking Amazon guys to please have at least some kind of bulletin board so that at least we know when it's happened so that we can monitor that. Uh, so far, it's not happening, but I'm asking right now again. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Okay, next thing is uh, the uh, PUC 3.0 and the UHD and beyond. Uh, this is uh, something in the future, so I'm not going to get into detail because it's, it can be changed. 
But anyway, this is a Fux 3.0. Uh, major difference from 2.0 is actually now we are using Kubernetes and the Kong API gateway and uh, Docker as a microservice. That is actually happening right now. Uh, and uh, we are still using MongoDB. And uh, now we are incorporating Apache Kafka as our message uh, brokers, uh, you know, from switching from our proprietary system to our uh, you know, new system. And we also have the having at, uh, head end. So Docker-based microservice. I think everyone knows of a Docker-based microservice, so I don't, need, I don't think you're going to need any introduction. But uh, interesting is since still, we, our company is still the polygraph situation. Everybody keep fighting about Java and the .NET still. So we, find, we come up with the, the uh, you can either uh, develop in the Java, C Sharp, JavaScript, Python, and Gorang. Uh, so any, anything within this list, you can uh, develop your own as a microservice, and we are not gonna, uh, you know, code review inside your code, but we're gonna testing uh, input and output, and if it fits, then is it okay? That's our policy. Kubernetes, uh, we were uh, struggled between the uh, Docker Swarm and Kubernetes and uh, ECR, and uh, we decided to using the Kubernetes because the, uh, the operation guys think that this is the best uh, suited for our needs. Kong 8 Gateway has, has uh, some interesting uh, story. Initially, we were using, we were started using the Amazon API Gateway. Uh, funny thing happened is hit, we hit the maximum of the 50 LBs per BPC. That means uh, you cannot have more than 50 LBs per one BPC. That is not the case at the moment because a uh, couple of weeks ago, this restriction have absorbed. But uh, at the time we were studying, this was a big problem. Which means uh, we, uh, with the, if you're using the Kubernetes with uh, the VPC and API gateway, you can up to 50 APIs per VPC. It's a big problem. So uh, we did not know that when we started that, but uh, we now realize that this is a problem, and we had to go back and try to look for the alternative, and now we are using the Kong. And, uh, you know, big, but, Although this is not finished project, but we are uh, moving forward so far, so we were not able to go back and try to using the API gateway again. But like I said, this PT LV uh, limitation is already lifted because of the kind of, this kind of situation. So if you go for the, the API gateway, I think this is okay for now. Apache Kafka uh, message broker is uh, too famous, so I don't need an introduction. So we are uh, collecting all the user data and everything in the Kafka, and uh, we are, I mean, we are using everything for the Kafka. Uh, marketing campaign design uh, engine means that, uh, you know, we are having created our own custom uh, rule-based marketing service or marketing analysis tools uh, based on the input from the Kafka so that we can uh, monitor your login, logout, uh, purchasing, clicking, everything. So that this is, will be our uh, second gen next generation of the marketing tool system. And the data analysis engine, uh, we start using the data rate concept, which means uh, we, are longer, we are storing everything with the S3. I mean, actually what we are doing is actually, uh, we start using AWS EMR and we are uh, storing the S, uh, data as, as a hive form on top of S3 so that we can have a, up to the two-year retention. Initially, that was not possible because of the price problems and the budget problems. Now we can. And the integration of machine learning, of course, uh, we are still in early age and long way to go, but the, right now what we have is a scene keyword detection, which means uh, we are feeding a lot, you know, lot of thumbnail images to the, the uh, recognition engine so that we can get uh, some kind of a scene detection data like a uh, uh, snow, beach, or car, or something like that, then we are using that as a base of the, our recommendation data. And uh, we are also working for the celebrity face identification so that we can have a better uh, casting information of the bio uh, VOD data. Uh, problem is, uh, you know, Look, the uh, European face detection have uh, and uh, Ameri uh, Asian face detection has a little bit of different result. So that now we are trying to look for the better, you know, better situation for the, the face detection, but it's not done yet. 
And uh, outsource, initially, we, uh, we are going to outsource the online data, online service for the, uh, between the AWS recognition and Clarify. We are still testing uh, those two digital, and uh, we will be having some meeting with the AWS guys for this, uh, after this session. Uh, we may have to you know, choose or they're going forward from there. Uh, UHD, we are having an ETA of February 2018, and we're going to have a Super 1080 and the UHD 2160p, and we are all going to using the HBC, and the higher speed rate will be 15 megabits, and the frame rate is, of course, is a 16 FPS. UHD Live, uh, we have to using the on-site live encoder because uh, at the moment, to my best knowledge, the uh, elementary encoder in the cloud doesn't have a power to produce the UHD uh, streaming, so that we have to uh, purchase the elementary box for each CP, and we are going to get the TS data over S3. So that is a little bit of shame, but uh, I, I believe that you know, in a future next version of the cloud, maybe you know, these guys can come up with a better solution for that. Okay, so beyond that, what's next? Uh, we are looking into HDR support but because it looks like the 4K is already gone and HDR is coming of age, so we are looking in that. And uh, we are also looking into the AV1 codec, which is not commercially available yet, but uh, we are looking for that. And uh, we are going to keep uh, working on the PUC3 enhancement. And uh, we are really wanted to have a, bring a machine learning inside our office, but uh, our resource has, very limitation, uh, has a limitation on that. And uh, request for ABS, uh, AWS is a faster cloud printer for UHD streaming. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the time. <laughs>